Great. And we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with Dr. Bear Paul Lando up here on the beautiful undammed Smith River in the beautiful state of Jefferson on the border of California and Oregon. We're here today with uh, an exciting guest, someone uh, who um, I've been following for years, uh, moving, uh, helping me in my amateur uh, growing <laughs> skills. Uh, we have Curtis Stone here, the urban farmer. And uh, today we'll, we'll dive deep into all sorts of fun topics. Um, if you're new to Alpha Vedic, we're an off-grid herb farm and health co-op up here, like I said, on the border of California and Oregon. Uh, we're here to empower folks to get more self-sufficient, uh, really learn about sovereignty and a lot of topics which we'll discuss today. Uh, if you are interested in learning more about what we do, you can just go to our website, alphavedic.com. That's A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C.com and find out all about us. Uh, if you want to support us, the best way to do that is to buy our products, which we handcraft right there on the farm. And you can see that on our website. And you can also join us on Telegram at t.me forward slash alphavedic or on our Discord at alphavedic.com forward slash Discord. Like I said today, um, we'll have a timely roundtable on, um, on a number of topics with Curtis Stone. He's a farmer, author, speaker, and consultant. His area of expertise is in quick-growing, high-value annual vegetables for direct consumer market streams. His book, The Urban Farmer, demonstrates organic, intensive techniques with a focus on business and systems to streamline labor and production. He offers a new way to think about farming, one where quality of life and profitability coexist. Curtis's farm, Green City Acres, is located in, excuse me if I butcher this, uh, Kelowna, BC, yep. uh, Canada, and was established in 2010. In an eight-month growing season, the farm generates over 75000 per year on only one-third of an acre. Uh, this is done by specializing in a select group of high-value, quick-growing crops that allow for multiple plantings in the same beds, as well as calculated intercropping strategies. Uh, the farm has been recognized internationally as flagship example of how profit profitable and productive urban ag agriculture can be. And of course, uh, uh, Curtis has uh, really been a pioneer in the media side of things as a, someone who's been... Um, putting out quality content for years on YouTube and actually opened up his own platform as well. Uh, and, and what's the, what is that called again, Curtis field to uh, from, from the field.tv <clears throat> from the field.tv. Yep. And uh, I like, I personally been following Curtis uh, for a number of years now, just geeking out late night on farming. He, he was amazing at uh, going to other farms and really getting down to the nitty gritty of production methods and what other people were doing. And, uh, Got to be honest, I, I didn't know that Curtis was kind of on the level in terms of other things like sovereign, the sovereignty movement and um, uh, self, self-sufficiency. I mean, obviously, as a farmer, um, that's always something you're focused on. But um, until recently, I started to discover that about Curtis. And it really, um, it's funny, I was really following you more on the, just on the kind of farming stuff. And uh, wow, man, you're really hitting covering all the bases and it's it's really cool to see someone like you a canadian out there really pushing truth so uh you know it's uh it's quite an honor to have you on today and uh we'll just kind of let the conversation go wherever it needs to go um of course we've got dr bear lando on here today and he's sporting his uh state of jefferson hat how are you doing today uh bear 
I'm doing good. Uh, I didn't know, Curtis, that you were uh, into some of the, uh, you know, non-consent, uh, reclaim your correct status and, and that sort of thing either. So in honor of you today, I did wear my State of Jefferson hat here. <laughs> and uh, it's a, more of an ideological movement that started in uh, Northern California, Southern Oregon, where yeah, we are right here. I'm familiar with it. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So there's uh, another movement called New California State, which is actually the real deal that's making ground. And we're going to do a, a whole podcast on that someday. I'm the rep for Del Norte County for that whole thing. But uh, man, I couldn't think of a, a more timely uh, interview to have today than with you. You know, our entire nation has uh, turned into uh, a mob masturbating uh, kind of affair. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, we're running out of food. And everybody's complying and consenting in their own demise. And, you know, uh, here we are. It's crazy. Uh, just a little background uh, on us. And just, you know, so you know, we really relate to the amazing things you've done with your uh, farm up there and just your whole model that could, you know, feed the world, basically. Uh, I started in the mid-70s in our first off-grid uh, homestead. I was working out of hospitals and. So I did shifts so I could uh, commute back and forth to the boonies, do my little shifts and go back home. And uh, then we moved uh, first to Fiji. So we were out in the boonies, definitely off grid there. And then from there to Hawaii, we had a, a plantation, off grid plantation uh, for a good number of years. And then we had our, you know, off the grid clinic there too. Wow. And uh, when we moved back to the mainland, uh, we've uh, had two uh, off-grid, self-sufficient little farms. We're on the second one that we're developing here. We had to move to this one because we needed more space and everything to go to the next level. So uh, here we are again, and uh, that's why I've just been a big fan of your work, just uh, you know, showing people how you can do what we're doing uh, you know, on more land masses and everything, but you're just being as productive in the middle of an urban environment. So great to have you here. Thanks for being with us. And uh, you know how we operate here. Just take it wherever you want to go and, uh, you know, we'll chime in. Right on. Well, hey, I, I, it's, it's an honor to be with such kindred spirits. So thanks for having me, guys. I've definitely watched uh, a number of your episodes before. So when you uh, reached out to me, I was already very familiar with uh, what you guys do. And um, yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of funny with, you know, the sovereign stuff. I, I've been into it for a long time. I just... I got to a point where I just didn't care about coming out of the closet with this stuff. I mean, I guess I, I kind of came out of the closet as a libertarian six years ago or so, and I got a bit of backlash for it, but I actually found that, uh, you know, cause I've had a career as a content creator for a number of years now. Like I, I've, I only, I, I, I closed my farm officially two years ago, at least for commercial production. I'm still farming, but uh, I'm not commercially farming anymore. So I closed that two years ago. Uh, but even before that, I was making a, a decent living as a content creator. And it's funny when you get in that world, you there's a tendency for people to avoid controversy and and you know, like you kind of wanted to stay in your lane kind of thing, you know? And a lot of people, I hear that all the time, even still today, people, I get trolls on my, uh, my youtube or whatever curtis you're a gardener what the hell you you don't know anything about this not talking about this stuff you know um but i actually found it, it it was actually far more rewarding and actually commercially rewarding just to come out and be honest 
And so I started coming out and talking about this stuff. And yeah, of course you get a small group of haters, but you also convert a smaller but very powerful group of people that will really support you. And uh, it's, it's been a kind of a neat journey over the last couple of years. You know, I started telling my story about my first conditional acceptance to the uh, Canadian Food Inspection Agency. And that was my biggest red pill moment. Um, I guess I should probably just tell that story for, for, for the viewers who might not be familiar with me. But so, you know, I'd been a commercial farmer for uh, 10 years, but, but uh, this happened in 2016. I got a, I got a letter from the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, which is like your FDA, I guess, uh, in the US. And they said, oh, they, I used to, because this greenhouse that I'm in now, I used to do massive scale commercial microgreens in here. I'd crank out 400 flats a week. And uh, according to the CFIA, the uh, microgreens are considered a high, uh, a high risk crop because they're like a sprout, but they're not, but that's what they say. And so they informed me that they're going to be coming to inspect my farm at this date and this time. And um, there would, it didn't really look like any kind of negotiation. It's like, this is what we're doing and you have to be there for four hours. And at this point I had, I, I had got to know a man named Cal Washington fairly well. You guys might be familiar with Cal, part of the uh, in power movement and yeah, really we had uh, Josh Del Sol on our Yeah, you had podcast. Josh. Yeah, that's right. I've I actually seen that episode. Um, and so Cal, you know, was my proverbial Morpheus, really. Kind of took me down the rabbit hole, held my hand with some of the stuff that was like really deep. And I'm not even talking about conspiracy theory stuff. I'm just talking about conspiracy fact. You know, just the acts and the statutes and all that bullshit. And uh, so I, I, I basically responded to them and uh, gave them a conditional acceptance. Hey, I'd be happy to have you here on my farm this time, so on and so forth. Upon presentation of these three things, I need certified true copy uh, of the act, which proves royal assent. And they can't prove that because there is no queen here anymore. She died in 1901. Queen Elizabeth is just a corporation soul that is just a, just a racketeering thing. But so I said, I want that. I said, two, I want a, a copy of your oath of allegiance uh, that you operate in good faith. I said, three, I want uh, a consulting fee for my time because you don't expect me to work for you for free, do you? And then I said, you got 21 days to respond. And uh, if you don't, the offer is null and void. And basically the guy came back like I just smacked him in the face and he didn't see it coming. And, and he, and he probably took it upstairs to the deputy minister. And those are the deep state guys here in Canada. The ministers are the elected ones. They don't really know anything, but the deputies who are often the guys that are there for 20, 30 years, he probably took it upstairs. And the guy was like, yeah, well, <laughs> we can't do anything. And so he came back and basically just said, okay, see, I can't give you any of that. And I said, great, no problem, sir. Have a great day. And then that was it. And so six months went by and I have to be honest, I was a little nervous during that phase. I was like, shit, is this going to come back? Like, are they going to come and bring the hammer down on me? But they never did. And so that's when I first really learned all the stuff I'd been, well, all, that I learned and I guess I understood all the stuff I've been learning about was actually real because it worked. And uh, since then I've seen it uh, work dozens of times, not only with myself, but other people other farmers that I've worked with over the years and people that I've got to know. And because we do have this de facto state here, just like the U S but the U S is different because you have the foundation of a de jure government with the constitution of 1776. And then, then you have the de facto 1871 organic act 
where, and you guys know more about the U.S. than I do, but that's my principal understanding. But in Canada, we only have a de facto state. We don't even have a de, the, the, the foundation of a de jure. And so that also creates yeah. challenges. But um, yeah, man, I mean, when I did that, that kind of pulled me down the rabbit hole. And then uh, it was a year ago, I was on the West Coast, uh, Vancouver Island, just um, doing some filming work for my membership site from the field. And uh, also had an opportunity to go visit some really cool farmers that were having some problems with the Agricultural Land Commission, which is this, you know, Marxist land grab scam. And uh, I heard some testimonies of people that would just broke my heart, you know, family farms that had been uh, three, four generations running. And then these bureaucrats come in and tell them that they can't build a second home for their grandparents so that the grandparents can help take care of the kids while the, while the grand uh, kids run the farm, you know, and what, and so the great grandkids, like beautiful stuff that should be part of the American and Canadian dream uh, but it's it's been uh, incentivized out through regulations, and I got really pissed off when I when I heard these stories because they were bankrupting these farmers, and I started to kind of see the big picture, connecting it back to Agenda Twenty One and Twenty Thirty, and this get get everybody off the land, get them pushed into cities, right? And I started to see how these policies were actually implemented on the federal, provincial, and local levels. And you can't really look at their policies and go, oh, it's directly correlated to this act and whatever in Agenda 21, but you just see the incentives. And so I started to kind of get a picture of, of what, what it was like for farmers and uh, me being a farmer myself and somebody that has spent, you know, 10 years building my, my career and, and all this, um, I found that the sovereignty stuff, because for a while I was learning this stuff, I didn't really know how it fit with me being a farmer. I didn't really, I didn't really know what my calling would be with this. But then after getting to know a lot of farmers and hearing their stories, and then I, then I started doing the, the research. I started reading the acts themselves, and I found so many loopholes in them that uh, I felt like, yeah, this is something that farmers need to hear about. And so, you know, some people like to hate on me for talking about this stuff, but I don't, I don't care because I, I think... Far, this is the last stand. I mean, far, farmers need yeah. to know this stuff because if we don't, we're all going to get kicked off our land and we're all going to lose our sovereignty. And sovereignty, as you guys know, is multi-leveled, right? There's, there's sovereignty of the straw man, the person, the man, and, and all that. There's sovereignty of your food. There's sovereignty of your health, which, Bear, you know, you're obviously deep involved with. And um, they're all layers, but they all come together because we all need to eat, right? And so that's, that's been a big thing for me. Yeah. So, uh, Curtis, uh, real quick, we'll just back up to the conditional acceptance. Uh, before I say that, though, the U.S. is is and always has been a colony of Great Britain. So we were never emancipated. But anyway, that's a different yeah. story. Um, conditional acceptance, just a, a real brief comment for the audience that maybe isn't familiar with that. Uh, we are operating in commerce. So everything you get from any government agency is a commercial offer like, hey, would you like to buy this or would you like to pay this bill that we're presenting you with? And uh, in, to be in honor, stay in honor within that commercial system, you always want to answer that, you know, the, the most powerful thing anybody can do, um, you know, if they go down that path is to open all their mail and answer it immediately. Yes. You know, you yeah. never just want to let things, oh man, I'm afraid of that, you know, thing from the IRS. I don't want to deal with it. No, you open it up, you answer it, and then you conditionally accept. You say, well, okay, um, I'll accept your terms. I'll pay that or do whatever you want me to do. 
under the condition yeah. that, yeah. So if you'd like to elaborate on that, because I know those are terms that not everybody's familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it all, I mean, you could talk for hours on where it all comes from and maybe that's not that important, but yeah, you know, the world operates under this uniform commercial code and, uh, because we've all have been commodified, commercialized, and compartmentalized since we were born, um, that's just the system that that we're in. I, 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 the way I like to think about it is, we're all swimming in the holy sea, and Christ wants us to walk on water to get back on the land, and mm. we're all in this this um, this maritime admiralty system, which uses uh, territorial and internal waters to get us into a citizenship and that ship is the vehicle uh in which our personhood is attached and that's how we navigate their waters and that's what they refer to it as i don't know so much about it in the u.s um but in canada you know as canada is defined in the interpretations act of canada there you go um we are in uh internal and territorial waters so the definition of canada is for greater certainty canada includes the internal and territorial waters so those who are familiar with legalese uh, know about how includes is, very, is used in a very tricky way. And most people in common parlance assume that it just means like a greater inclusion. You hear social justice warriors talking about being inclusive. But in legalese, inclusive is the opposite of it actually means it's actually means it's very exclusive. It means that it means that and only that. And you and it's so easy to prove. I mean, people like to debate. I get a lot of people that try to debate me on the includes thing, but then all you got to do is look at the context, look at how includes is used in thousands, if not millions of legal documents. And it's always very specific. And the counter argument I make is if somebody says, Oh, well includes is a, is a greater inclusion. Well, then it's like, well, can then why didn't they say it? So, you know, one example is the, the Canada one, Canada includes the territorial internal waters. So if in Canada, if Canada included the land, why wouldn't they just say it, right? Because legal documents are very specific. Anybody who's gone through a legal process with lawyers and all that stuff, it's all very, very, very specific. They don't leave things open to interpretation unless they want you to. And that's how they trick us is they, they let us make assumptions. Um, you know, another example is in the, the Motor Vehicles Act of British Columbia, um, ac accident is defined as includes an intentional collision. So if it didn't include just an intentional collision, why wouldn't they just say it? It's not like they have a budget for words like, oh, we can only afford to use six words for this definition. And then we got to move on to the next one. No, no, no. It's, it's not like that. And so they always trick us that way. But um, yeah, the conditional acceptance is kind of the... You know, there's, you know, down in my journey with all this, I found that there's remedy in many different ways. You know, when you look at the law, there's remedy within the legal, there's remedy within the ecclesiastic laws, and then there's remedy within the common law, but they can't always see one another. And so sometimes it's just easier to operate within the commercial system, which is the legal system, the bar association and all that. And that, for me, that's the path of least resistance. So a conditional acceptance is great because you can just stay within the water, their, their territorial waters on the ship and just use some of their own things against them. And that's usually enough to get them off your back. Now, if they, if they want to go further and further and further and push, there's other remedy out there. I mean, and, and at the same time, like 
like bear, I haven't been doing this nearly as long as you. So I'm still a student of it and I'm not out here trying to offer people remedy. I've just been open about sharing things that I, I've seen work or things that have worked for me. But I realized that, you know, I don't know everything on this because it's, you, you could literally spend a lifetime getting a full grasp of yeah. how all this stuff works. Yeah. And, and I, I don't pretend to be an expert either. I, you know, I was, uh, you know, taught by some of the, the pioneers and, and we all went into court systems. And, and as I was telling you before the show, um, the proof that we didn't know everything is, uh, you know, half the guys ended up dead or in jail. So, exactly. but on the other hand, uh, because we took some arrows in our backs, then the, the next generation was able to take it to the next level. So I'm still learning from the newbies out there yep. that are taking it to the next level. I personally don't have the time anymore, uh, you know, to spend my life challenging the IRS and going into nope. court. Uh, you know, I held up a book that uh, the audience didn't see because you were talking. And I did this last episode too. It's a uniform commercial code. And as you can see, I kind of a wow. study mine a little. I have every page Damn, tabbed and, yeah. you know, because I've used this a lot. But the point is, um, if you take that uniform commercial code, uh, that same book is operative in every country in the world without it exception yep. and translated into the mother tongue. So I get tickled when people accuse me of being a conspiracy theorist. It's like, okay, so you tell me how that, that same code got implemented in every country in the world, you know, verbatim, word for word, and there's not some kind of conspiracy behind that. Yeah, they're, um, the they're, other they're thing I wanted theorists. To, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, it's simply astounding, you know. Um, the other thing I wanted to throw out there and see if, you, uh, if you've had any experience with this, because I'm really, uh, you know, down this road, and I think it's especially important for farmers, is the issue of land patents. Yes. Uh, or what you might even call loyal title. title. We're in the process. Yep. Yeah. Can you uh, have any experience or want to speak well, on that? Yeah. I mean, I have a little bit. I've, 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 um, I've been involved with a group of farmers that have been digging uh, for quite some time. And I've, I've seen some of these land patents here in Canada. They go back to King John. I've actually seen some, they're copies, but they're copies of the original. Um, the, the, the thing, the, the place that I get hung up with that is can a person actually receive an allodial title if your person is a corporation that's owned by something else? And so uh, a lot of guys I know who have played in that space haven't really gotten anywhere with it because they haven't fully uncoupled themselves from the matrix, uh, the, 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 the commercial system. So I don't really know what to do with it, to be honest. Um, like I've seen the documents. I've understood some of the process to get there. Um, but as far as taking that, like getting that land patent, and then basically going into a, like a land titles office and actually doing something with it, I'm not actually sure. I've seen some people uh, do things where they put things in trust and then the trust is visible to the legal system, but they can't touch it because it's in the private. Um, and, uh, but I, I can't say that I've seen somebody come out with a full remedy with that. I don't have you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, we work with a gentleman up in Southern Oregon who got his uh, start in the mining business and so was really an expert about pieces of land and staking claims. And that's how he learned the process. And that's where I learned from. And the land patent in the U.S. anyway has never been successfully challenged. 
Wow. It's, uh, it's, it's never lost. And I would uh, even suggest that your ability to uncouple from the system is based on returning to the land and a land yes. patent is one of the best ways to do it. So it's a five part process, which we won't go through, but it really doesn't uh, require, at least in the States, I don't know, it's probably totally different in Canada, uh, but in the States, um, all you have to do is take your warranty deed, you get the meets and bounds on it, you take to the Bureau of Land Management, you know, to make sure it checks up with them. And then you do a quick claim on it. And then you go through another process where you trace through all the prior occupants or, or people that claimed ownership on the land. And, and there's a process with that. Then you give it to the recorder. If the recorder won't do it, I'm going to lean uh, the recorder's ass in the county and make them do it. Right. And, uh, or, or you can just do a public notice. But at the end of it, um, it really doesn't require, um, you know, like your it's not so much having to do with, um, you know, your corrected status as an individual to separate yourself from your corporate status. Um, it's really going to give you more weight in order to do that status change later on for yourself. That's, yeah. that's just my experience with it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally understand it from, uh, I guess, the practical sense of how it's done in the sense that now you can now you have a place to put your feet right that's you that 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 you can establish an because it's it's a lodial title on the land but it's a lodial title of the body as well right and we could even expand that to the lodial title of the spirit a lodial title to all these things they're all they're all levels of sovereignty and it, it, it's quite amazing how it all connects having said all that i'm beginning to wonder and this is kind of where I've been on my path is I see a massive transformation happening in the whole system right now. And I believe we're at a spiritual junction. This is what I believe. I can't prove this. I haven't read hundreds of documents on this like I have with Canadian law, but um, I believe we're at a spiritual junction. That's, that's at my core. That's what I feel. And I, I had an opportunity to sit at a table with three men that have all been in this whole sovereign space. They've done their trusts. They've done, they've done all that stuff, uh, express trusts under common law, Grantham Taylor Hughes trusts, all this stuff. These guys have spent between the three of them over a hundred years doing this stuff in courts and all this. And I sat with these guys. I was really honored to, to, to have the time with them. And I just said to them, Hey, you know, I'm a young guy. I mean, I'm 40. I'm not that young, but I'm 40. I got two young kids. I've got my wife. You know, we're really just getting started as a family. If you were me now, knowing what you know and what you've been through, because these guys have all been through the ringer, would you go through this full process and, and really go at this? And they said, no, because the whole, I, deck, yeah. the whole deck is going to get shuffled and it's getting shuffled now. And once it, once it, once the dust settles, we're all going to have to figure out where we are. Are we on the land? Are we still in the water? Yeah. You th you, you I mean, totally, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And a lot of people are always asking me about doing all these processes. And I tell them two things. Number one, I don't think we have time for you to learn all this stuff in That's the first the place yeah. and implement it. And number two, you know, myself, I have a philosophical problem with it all now. 
Uh, not that I think there's anything wrong about it, but like take the land patent. Okay, I know the process, I'm doing it and everything, and I see the efficacy on one level, but okay, so now I'm reverting back to my original land grant that was based on the you know, this, the Spanish, uh, you know, conquistadors That's stealing right. the land from somebody else. And then, exactly. it, then it's a grant and it's like, okay, now I'm going back to where somebody stole it from somebody else. So, know. you know, you're, you're yeah. always in that same box when you're playing this game. And yeah. then, uh, when it comes to status correction and everything, which I've done all that, I wouldn't do it over again because it's like, who the hell are they? I mean, why am I even talking to these people in I the know. first place? I know. You know, exactly. it's like giving them credit that yes. somehow I have to answer their processes that they just made this crap up out of thin air in the first place, you know, to deceive us all. So I, I agree we're in the midst of a, a consciousness shift and, and I think there's going to be some events that's going to make this all a moot point anyway. Yeah, all the, all the rules are based on the, the corporate creations from the 1400s, 1500s, East India Company. You know, it's funny you talk about water in Canada. I mean, Canada was founded by the Hudson Bay Company. That's right. You know, and so we're just playing with those rules exactly. still that are these by these corpse entities that were created to allow for the dead to rule the world so that, um, you know, that can maintain their control with, with board members that can just, from these bloodlines, that can just keep continuing it. And I agree, like, you know, I feel like it's important to have private property back in the day because that would allow people to kind of have a fighting chance. But you are right. And bear, we t I, I was triggered a bit about this with the discussion we had on, on the farm earlier this summer with our permaculture guild about the problems with private property because we're kind of just trained as Americans, right? Like private property, private rights. But it does all go back to just like the original charters that were created by by Europeans who came here and just stole the land from the natives. And it's like, why do we get those rights? And I think this consciousness evolution is going to be about us coming together communally as tribes, as, and I hate saying the word tribe because that gets into tribalism, but as collectives on our land where we appreciate that we all own it together. We're all spiritually connected to Mother Earth. We're all ambassadors for her here. And so there, there can be new systems where we have more of a sacred understanding of our connection and the way our economics can work as we kind of share the land, as we work together, we get the, I think we just got to get rid of corporations all together. Yes, I think corporations yeah. need to go. Yep. And one thing that I'm active in Curtis is in kind of pushing uh, the, the, the new future of technology for decentralization um, and getting, you know, with cr cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology and not private blockchains, not corporatized blockchains, but, but actual uh, consensus-based uh, yeah. public blockchains where they're almost more like a utility where we all just have the consensus. We have what's called decentralized autonomous organizations where we all just kind of have voting rights on things. Yep. And then we have, so here's what I was kind of thinking about last night. Cause I've been watching a lot of old movies. Like I, uh, I just, I've been watching like mutiny on the bounty and stuff where it's like the great, all the European countries going to take over, you know, the West. And you see this, like these two rival ideas of humanity where you have the indigenous cultures who, who really bless the land and they, they stay in a very kind of uh, conscientious way where they uh, manage the land properly, but they don't have a sense of, um, of moving forward in terms of progression. And then we have the classic Western thought, which dominated civilization for millennia, which goes back all the way to the Syrians, to the, you know, the Greeks, the Romans, which was 
um, more of idea of progressing towards um, a, a bigger understanding of where humanity can go. And I think that's powerful. That was like the American dream, right? We saw so much great innovation from the 20th century. But the problem with that always was based around corporations and companies, which were really yep. created in the Roman times. Yes. And this was all about scarcity and taking over resources. And of course, mercantilism, which was all about yep. taking over the world. So I feel like finally, we're hopefully at a place where we can combine the two and we can still have that progressive mentality where we want to push innovation, like with farming, with coming up with new ways to get more yield and all that, which is important, but also in a sacred way where we can now have an understanding of what these indigenous cultures were so connected with, which is so yeah, important. And totally. if we can bring those two together and get rid of the corporations and get rid of all that rottenness, that is the, that is the great kind of revolution that we can be a part of. So anyways, that's yeah. my rant, but. Well, um, I, I want to add to that because I think I, I, I'm totally in alignment with, with what you're saying, but one thing I'd want to put towards the, the, com the greater community of people that would be listening to this and who are kind of on our frequency with this is that we must be diligent about infiltrators in this. And there already is an infiltration of that. Um, kind of what you talked about, there is a UN document called UN, uh, UN DRIP, UNDRIP. It's the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous Pe Peoples. I would highly encourage anybody who's on this frequency of what we're talking about, because I agree with 100% with everything you said. Uh, the, the thing is that we have to start to acknowledge is that if we're on the land and we're all on the land, we're indigenous. If you're born on the land, you're indigenous. It's no longer about if you're part of the clans that were, that were on this land before colonization. If you're born on the land, you're indigenous. Uh, and so what UN DRIP is, is doing, and it's scary because I, I could actually see this being a road. There, there's a couple different roads, uh, uh, paths that I see the UN, the sort of the New World Order taking, trying to take everybody. Uh, one is a is sort of a Chinese uh, subversive takeover. In Canada, it might just be a, a straight up takeover, uh, not so in the U.S. Uh, or this sort of UN takeover where they bathe it in social justice and um, you know lefty stuff, sustainability. That's yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so the UN drip. You should really read that document because the the treaties are are, are interesting. You can find so much amazing truth in the treaties. But the treaties tell you what they want to do. And so UN DRIP, they basically are saying that they've created a platform in which to give the land back to the indigenous. But they don't define indigenous in this document, which is very suspicious. Um, but you know that if it's the UN, indigenous is just going to mean they're going to appoint some crony from the UN and he's going to be the indigenous, right? It's, so it's, it's not about actually giving us back to the land. And, and getting rid of this whole Roman civil law, merchant law system, UCC. It's not about that at all, because you never hear that talked about at all. They, they, they try to bury that stuff as much as they can, though it's all there. You, the books are available. Um, but that's what they're going to do. And, and, and if you look to um, which state was it just recently that gave half of the uh, state back to the, the natives, um, uh, uh, not South Dakota, um, which do you, do you guys know what I'm talking about? This just happened in the U.S. like a month mm, ago. No, sorry. They gave uh, they gave it they gave it back to the natives. Uh, I remember seeing uh, the headlines, but I'd, I'm blanking. And, and right and now. they were quoting the UN drip. 
so yeah. the, the, so they've got a boilerplate now oh i'm really annoyed that i can't remember what state it was because it just happened um and it's it's one of the northern mid uh midwest states but anyways they've got a boilerplate like montana for or something no it wasn't montana it, it was minnesota it was it might have been Minnesota. It would make sense, Minnesota, because Minnesota's become yeah. a hot a hotbed up uh, there for for progressivism and the and centralization and, and globalism, which is crazy because Minnesota you would think would not be I'm that. I'm just place, gonna but, Google it and see what I get. Um, while you while you're looking that up, Curtis, I think that's an amazing point about indigenous because we're all indigenous uh, in present time. And if you go back to our ancestry like European um, you know, indigenous cultures with their own, uh, you know, not just cultures, but spiritual practices. And, and it's that same kind of thread of, um, of uh, you know, royalty and, and, and corporations that have tried to tame all the indigenous people. And even if you go back to North America, there was civilizations and people here living before the, the so-called Native Americans yep. arrived. So you yeah, really Oklahoma. can't play this game yeah, who's Oklahoma. indigenous. So who is it? Is Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Oklahoma. I, I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they've got the boilerplate for this now. And, um, and the UN document is there. Um, you know, and so we have to be, we have to be highly aware of their tricks, right? It's know thy enemy. We have to know the enemy. And these people will do anything and everything they can to lie and cheat as they always have. Uh, and 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 in a way, give us the things that that we think we want uh, to to maintain their power. And and I think this you know, comes back to this. There is this. There's some kind of spiritual shift happening. Um, what I believe it is uh, is I, I read a book a, a while ago called the 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 raw contact, the channelings of raw, and it's yep. it's it's pretty it's out the, there the in power deep. the power one or the, the power of one yep yep, yep. and um, you know they talk about in that that book what they refer to as the harvest where there's these mm -hmm. I believe it's eleven thousand year cycles where spiritual entities which were all spiritual plants included have an opportunity to move up this lad this pyramid of spiritual awokenness uh, awakenness and and we're in that period right now and so everything is transcending into a new level and um during these times the power controllers they want you to stay in your low mind reptilian brain frequency so that you can't find your path to divinity and uh i, I think that's where we're at and and we have to we have to transcend because if we transcend they become irrelevant very quickly the, the these elites that control all these things um they have to stay in their frequency because to to transcend toward divinity is to accept the um uh what's what what did they refer to it as uh basically devotion to others so their service to self and their service to others yep and the elites serve themselves and all of us who, who who recognize that we're part of the divine, we service others, and that's our life. And, uh, this, and is so our, elites, this is one of our yeah. favorite topics, by the way. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. And, and I was going to say the elites are already irrelevant, and what they aren't considering is the larger universal patterns and cycles we talk that's a lot right. about on our show, and we get into waveform physics, and it, you know it explains exactly how everything from the elements in the ground to the 
you know, to the rest of, you know, whatever your belief system about planets or anything is, you know, everything is on the same larger cycle and it's moving along with or without us. So um, I think the game that I think we're playing now is we're trying to get information out. We're trying to get solutions out so that people have an opportunity to make a choice as far as if they want to move on with the grander cycle or stay in a more archaic schoolroom in the universe somewhere. And, uh, but, you know, as far as how this outcome is, uh, you know, what's going to happen, it, it's already happened. And, you know, we're all here to make a choice. Do we want to stay slaves? Or, you know, David Icke, uh, I think, says it best. It's like now is the opportunity once and for all for humanity to get off its knees. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I, one of our so we have um what we call a common law assembly here in in Kelowna and uh it's a it's a really amazing group we basically this is this is some really good solution based stuff for anybody um what we've done is we've got a bunch of men and women together who are all very awake we've got four doc what is it three four three doctors in our group we've got ex cops we've got farmers we've got crypto guys incredible moms and doulas and amazing amazing group um and uh we've basically come together and said you know what we're gonna make our own system now we're not asking permission it's not about a sovereign process of going through remedy and filing notices and none of that basically just coming together we've written a proclamation and 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 we um we all signed it with our thumbprints and in red uh, mm-hmm. as men and women do historically. And we basically created a, a, a document that, that um, expresses our intent to exist and how we want to exist in this world. And that is to be in service to one another, but protect the rights of the individual and that no man, woman, corporation, or trust can own any other man or woman. We basically declared, it's kind of like the Mayflower in a way. It, it's kind of a declaration of independence, but we've taken it further because we've, we, we've, we've, re, we've recognized our divinity in it. And, and one of our members has an interesting w- uh, way of talking about, it. he says that, that society is going to splinter off. The one society is going to go for 5G and the other society is going to go for 5D. Yes. And that's going to be, the, 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 we're going to recognize um, and transcend this, this mortal shell and, and, and be part of what we truly understand as divine and service to one another and service to the greater whole. And then the other is going to continue down the matrix and, and get more technologically advanced, but also further removed from the true divinity. Because I think, you know, it's always like layers of the onion. That's how I like to describe it is that you're, your godliness is at the center of the onion and everything you've learned or been brainwashed with your entire life just adds layers to the onion and gets for you further and further away from what you truly are. And the whole 5G thing is to get everybody plugged into this thing. Um, you know, my brother basically lives in a, in a, in a, in a virtual reality world. So he's gone towards the 5G side of it. And uh, I definitely see myself going the other way. And, and, and people in our group do too. And we're hoping that we can just get more people in locally involved in this and declare our own sovereignty. Um, but, but it's not, it's not, it's, it's more of a proclamation. It's, this is what we are. This is who we are. And this is how we want to form our society, regardless of what any of these other geezers yes. do. Yeah. This is a big and movement I, I right think now. The, 
Go yeah. ahead, Barry. I was just going to say, this is, we, we, you're not the only ones doing this. We're, we know of a number of groups that are coming together right now and just doing their own charters, basically, their own, yep. their own proclamations. And yep. real quick on the indigenous thing, I wasn't really stressing actual peoples. It was more I was talking about the, um, the theoretical philosophy uh, of yeah. it. And, and Bear did mention a very important thing while you were looking up Oklahoma is that even the current quote unquote indigenous people that we refer to, which are the more like um, that came supposedly came over from Asia, the Native Americans uh, in, in North America, they were they came after an original people that before them, which we know has been covered up, which were the red bearded. Um, the redheads that were in North America that were preceded them. And mm -hmm. for all, you know, so how far do we go back? Right. Exactly. It, so it, that's just a, that's just a rabbit hole that goes forever. So it's really more of a philosophical, spiritual uh, concept um, than actual, like, you know, real peoples that we're talking about. Um, go ahead. Bear. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the reason why a lot of us, which is a good segue into a lot of what you're about, Curtis, is uh, the greatest proclamation of sovereignty is to start growing your own food. Uh, you know, if you go back historically, when you want to conquer a people, what's the first thing you do? You cut off their food supply. Attrition. Uh, right? What's happening right now? People are completely unaware that there's not enough food out there and uh, you know we get you know we pay attention to those sorts of things so we can already see this scarcity starting to happen and i think it's no mistake that people like ourselves you know kindred spirits if you will are uh, going back to the land and what's the first thing we do we're growing our own food if you don't grow your own food how can you be a sovereign at all if you're still you know dependent on your lunch at the local deli Exactly. And that's the thing that really kind of annoys me about a lot of the sovereigns, because I do know a lot of them and I've, I've been pretty deep into it for a while. And um, it's like, dude, yeah, okay, sure. You've gone through all this process. You filed all these notices. You haven't paid tax in 10 years. Okay, that's cool. But you're living in an apartment in a big city. And <laughs> you're completely living in a monoculture. And, 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 and it's like, all these things are layers, right? And, and, and because nature and sort of the 5D versus the 5G dichotomy is, and I'm not putting that out there as an ultimate dichotomy because I often, I, I know that things are more complicated than this, but, but um, you know, we, you can't just have one without the other. You, you, you really have to do it all. Like nature is diversified, and interconnected and synergistic and and so is god and so are we because we are our bodies are, are are of nature and of the land but the, the the corporate system is dead it's a monoculture it is um soulless and you know you, you can go on about it forever but but we need to recognize that the, our, these correlations to nature is not a monoculture it's a polyculture that is infinitely diversified and as soon as you are finding yourself in monocultures whether that be the way you live the way the way you get your food um, how you take care of your own health how you educate your children the the the, the 5g the, the 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 new world order the cabal everything they do is monoculture monoculture and agriculture monoculture through the media monoculture through the mind through monotheism you know everything they do is mono 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 everything we need to do has to be the opposite of that and so whenever whenever i look at you know if i'm trying to find truth in a certain thing i can just look at it so simply and be like yeah well 
basically do everything the opposite <laughs> that they want to propose because they want you to stay as far as, as, as they can away from the truth. And that is over here. And of course, they uh, term their uh, proposed monoculture as diversification. So yes, <laughs> just the classic inversion technique. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. We, so we're looking at these, this, we're, the chat's great right now and people are um, loving this. And, uh, you know, there's this idea that, you know, God will, you know, they're getting kind of spiritual here on the chat and it gets depressing when you think about the scarcity issues. Right. But, but we, we come, we live in a place, this reality is abundance. It's based on abundance. And so obviously the inverters want us thinking everything's scarce, but what I was pointing out here was like, it's so easy for us to fix this if we understand abundance and we just, yes. and we talked about this with Sayer G last week. He was asking about farming. Do we get way more back than we put in and bear rightly so explained like, yeah, you put one fruit tree seed down and uh, in a couple years, you know, that gives you 10 years of food. Um, and so mother nature, this planet is based upon abundance and we can, we can really embrace that with just, it's just waking up and knowing this and getting in. And so for you, you know, you've obviously showed this with what you've done on your farm and great techniques, but do you think with the way the monoculture has been set up and um, the way the systems are, you know, we talked to like David Dubine, who I think you've talked to, we've had him on the show and others who are really tied into the, the food shortage that we're facing and how even if we took over all the malls and, and you know, with the grand solar minimum coming and everything and tried to get yeah, food yeah, production, yeah. it wouldn't be enough, right? Right. To, 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 but so in your mind, do you think there are solutions by people kind of getting their own gardens going and getting self-sufficient on their own lands? And there just, is. Can, yeah. Can you, can I, can I step away for two seconds? Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be right back. Sorry guys. Yeah, no worries. So, you know, um, that is a good question. And, and I, I've heard a number of interviews with, with David who we're going to get back on the show, um, where I think it was on leak project or something where they were talking about, would it be possible with, if we do have the grand solar minimum coming and we have a lot of this monoculture taken out, <laughs> Um, Sorry about how, that, guys. Oh, you're good. You're good. I'm just continuing on this thought. How we can feed ourselves if um, if we, you know, we're facing calamity here. Um, and um, I've always stressed that it's up to the individual. And if you can, even you know, obviously, it's not ideal living in a tiny apartment in the middle of a city, especially now. I, I, I and and this hurts people a lot of times to hear this. You got to get out of the damn urban you centers. You have to get out. You, you have, have to get, to get out. out. And I know it sucks because I love, dude, dude, my whole life I lived in San Francisco, LA, Baltimore. My, my wife and I love living in cities, but we face the music and it's like, it's just not time right now. Now, hopefully no. we can get to that, that beautiful place where cities are these like amazing cosmopolitan places of, with gardens and, and healing centers and, and great culture again. But right now, the, when you have a rotten society and you have a rotten corporatized death cult, running the world um, where they want to funnel everybody into these cities. You got to get out and then just get, you know, with sovereignty, a big part is growing your own food. And it's not hard. Like on a quarter of an acre, you can grow enough food for a family of four, a family of eight easily. Right, Curtis? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time. I mean, and we're on a quarter acre here and 
we grow literally all the vegetables and most of the fruit that we consume in an entire year that, and that's with the winter. So you know, I've been documenting that for a long time. Um, but I, you know, I, I did experience a bit of cognitive dissonance as the, the guy that's known as the urban farmer, you know, with, <laughs> ur- with urban, to be honest. I mean, uh, I still believe, you know, all of my, everything I've ever taught all is, valuable it's all true you can all you can do all these techniques but i don't really have faith in the urban um especially the the big urban you know i'm in a smaller town a, a city it's not that small it's 180,000 people it's not a it's not small but it's not big um this is even too big for me now we're 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 working on getting out of here um but um i don't the, the problem with the cities is that as you guys know the bigger the city and the older the city, the more regulation and layers of corporatism there is. And so it's way easier to follow the path of least resistance. Cause I believe we have to, we have to move like nature and nature always follows the path of least resistance. And if something's dying, it's better just to get out. And the cities are dying. Just look at, look at all these lefty cities across the U S right now. Minneapolis is burning. Oregon is like Portland, Oregon is burning. San Francisco has been a shithole for a long time. (laughs) Even 10 years ago when I was going to San Francisco, it was a shithole. I used to live there. I know. Oh, it's insane. LA it's, 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 I I was, I was in LA a couple years ago driving through Hollywood, Hollywood Boulevard and it was a shithole. There was literally shit on the streets in Hollywood Boulevard and tents. Like, so cities are dying. We need to get out. And, um, like you said, it's hard to, it's hard to hear that. But you really do not want to be with the hordes trying to get out when everybody's trying to get out at the same time. If you're hearing this and you're thinking, oh, but I got to do this and this and this, <laughs> seriously, you have to take action. Because come this November with this election, things could get very hairy in the United States. Um, I'm pretty sure Trump will get reelected, but you never know. Um, and if he does get reelected, there is going to be an absolute bloodbath. They are going, the new world order is going to release the agents on a scale that we've never seen before. That's my belief. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But um, I, I, I agree with that entirely. Mike and I are kind of political atheists together and that we don't have a dog in either fight. But, you know, uh, I, I take, you know, what's in there now, at least there's some nationalistic tendencies but we're always conjecturing behind the scenes. We don't know who anybody is really. Uh, just yeah. before the show started, Mike and I were saying, well, you know, do they really want him to get back in so they can start a civil war? Uh, you know, is he actually one of them, you know, and he's just setting up and not who we believe he is, uh, you know, so there's so many game plans and no matter who anybody is in the first place, you better believe that the think tanks, uh, already have it prefigured in game plan, so they're going to win six different ways, no matter what happens. Absolutely, and we're not particularly privy to that information. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it always comes back to. I mean, for me, for myself, it always comes back to what I've been doing for the last ten years, and that's growing my own food, and 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 working on a path to sovereignty of the individual, sovereignty of the immediate family, sovereignty of the immediate community, and then the greater community. And it works out like that. Much like, much like the permaculture zones, you know, it's, it's a similar, yeah. it's a similar thing. And, and uh, yeah, so I mean, yeah, we can grow a ton of our own food. And, and, and that's, you know, uh, Mike, you know, you're talking about David and, and Christian. 
uh, the Ice Age guys. Yep. And um, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to believe, but I can say that I, I certainly see those patterns where I am, and I do know that in nature, a lot of the times you see the most telling patterns on the outliers. So mm. on your, on your, this is just an observation of, of my own. It's not based in, I mean, it's based in a lot of things that I've read, but I'm, I'm not a scientist, but, but you know, if you put everything on the traditional bell curve, the things on the outliers are the things that often tell what's going to come. And so I find for climate patterns, you look at the colder areas and, and I'm seeing it getting colder like significantly this has been the coldest summer i have ever seen in my life and for the last six years i've been noticing this trend before i even was tapped into uh david Debine and, and christian from ice age farmer i was seeing these trends i was like man winters are getting colder longer shoulder seasons are getting longer and wetter summer is getting shorter like this summer is almost over here like this morning was cold it's middle of august it should be cooking right now i i, I wouldn't normally be in my greenhouse this time of day like it would already be way too hot to be in here, but it's very comfortable. Um, and so I'm seeing these trends coming, but having said all that, I'm not concerned. And actually in, in my last episode I did, I did, I interviewed Christian uh, from Ice Age and I interviewed David from Adapt 2030. And my last one I did with David, um, we were just having a conversation before we started and after. And I just like asked him like, you know, do you think it's going to be so bad that, it'll be winter in the summer here. And he, he said, no, he didn't think so. I think we just have to get used to the fact that we're going to have weather instability. And you know, the neat thing about this, that whole thing is it's kind of unifying in that, like there are, there are people who think that global warming and that narrative that's been, that's been spoon fed to us from the UN and all that is, is what's happening. And then there's some sort of fringe people or at least outliers that, that see this, pattern with uh the grand solar minimum i definitely more on that side now but at the end of the day weather's changing and as farmers and homesteaders the best thing we can do is just learn how to adapt and so you know what it really comes down to with farming is get greenhouses up it doesn't matter what climate you're in because greenhouses in colder climates keep the frost off and allow you to do things in a longer season but in a more of a temperate climate call it uh something that's wet and hot like on the southeast in the United States, Arkansas, uh, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, all those types of places, Florida, greenhouses are useful because then they keep the rain off. And you use them in a slightly different way. You can use different types of greenhouses, but that's important. And then uh, how you design your land, right? You want, to, you want to design your land to either harvest water into the landscape or move water out of the landscape uh, safely. And sometimes it's a, it's a bit of both depending on where you are. But there's solutions for all of these things. We just need to, to get out there and use them and, and, and don't be late. You know, everything we're talking about now, people need to be doing this stuff now. Like you got to get out of the city. If you're in the city, get, you know, I got a lot of people reaching out to me that are like, well, what do I do? I'm in, I'm in Vancouver. I'm in LA. I can't necessarily just pack up and leave. It's like, well, you kind of can just go to a smaller town, at least for now to get your bearings. Like just go rent a place in a smaller town for now. And then, and then get, get just because the cities are going to be at least the big cities, Chicago, uh, Miami, LA, all those big cities in the U S are going to be absolute hell holes 
when this stuff starts to <laughs> they're going to be part of fema can't yeah uh definitely Man, i want FEMA i want zones. people to survive and thrive so well one thing yeah. you can do too is thanks to the internet you can find people that are on that same level with you on uh in your area especially if you live in a big city with millions of people um you know there's facebook groups there's telegram groups there's stuff and then you can actually go in on a space together i know people that are doing this right now and they're going in on buying farmland together yeah. And then they're, they're doing the slow transition. Um, so I've got great news. I actually got my parent. I grew up in Orange County down in SoCal. I'm a SoCal boy. And my parents were still living down there. They, they're just putting an offer on a house in our little town here. So they're, you know, my mom was, was never going to do that. And she's, I mean, that's less showing like, you know, so I'm feeling great because I'm getting my family out of the city. So you can work with your friends and family and come together and, it, it might seem really daunting at first or, and also a lot of people still are ho holding on to the hope that, cause like I have friends that go, well, I don't, dude, I don't want to miss going to concerts or going to cool movies or the mall or whatever. And I'm like, dude, you can't go to that anymore right now. So it's like, yeah. you, this yeah. is a great opportunity. Like COVID has actually been an amazing way to really wake up people. And I just think it's a great you know, I was telling a friend last night, it's not going back. It's not going back. We are no. in a new age now. And Agenda oh, yeah. 21 is kicked in. 2020 was always what they said was going to be the first big year. And we are, this is part of the whole global agenda. If people still believe that there's not a global agenda, go on to Google Maps. You can put in any address in the world and it will zoom up to you. We are in a global village. They have, they have systems set up where they are controlling through AI and through the, the, the corporations that are really now consolidated into just a few, the narrative across the world. We are seeing a controlled demolition of the old way. And so this does really become a spiritual thing where, like you were saying, it's like, do you want to go down the 5G old school path towards being funneled into a city and being transhumanistic, like with stuff in you and like, do you want to go that way? Or do you want to go the more new school way, which is what we're all about, which is going back to land, getting into community, getting into cryptos, getting into growing your own food, homeschooling, unschooling your kids, um, understanding common law, natural law, like that's all happening too. And so mm -hmm. It's, I, we're seeing that great schism right now. It's like, are you going to be that way? Or are you going to be that way? It's time to pick. And, so. yeah. and that's what vaccines are all about. It's about shedding down the, the human perceptive bandwidth so that we cannot reach into those higher realms of consciousness because Absolutely. it's putting that foreign DNA that's yep. our little antennas that are going to uh, put us in more of an animal mode. So um, you know, it's really about our inner game, and that's where all the solutions lie. For instance, uh, we talk about food, food shortages, but when you're really working on that, you know, on yourself, uh, which you find is you don't even need that much food anymore. In fact, uh, you know, if you look historically, people lived longer and were much more healthy because they didn't have the programming that you're supposed to be eating every day, all day long. You know, yes. one meal is fine. You can skip a day. You know, yeah. if uh, something were to happen to our food supply here and I didn't have to eat for 20 days, I could do it. It's not yeah. a problem. We should all be equipped to do that. But it's a sequential process to get to that spot. Just like growing food, you don't say, oh, I'm a prepper and I've got some food in storage. Well, it's like, 
well, you should have started your garden about three years ago if you want to be eating today. Yes. Uh, it's the same thing with the inner game. Yeah. So uh, that's what's really gratifying is I see a lot of people really going through those inner shifts. And you can tell that it's really not, in a lot of cases, not even that conscious. You know, they're just, they're just changing without realizing. I remember talking to your mom, Mike, a few years ago. Where she said, oh, no, I could never live up here. And uh, now she's moving up here and she's uh, totally digging on it and excited about it. Yeah. And so you see a lot of people, you know, making those changes. And the last comment I'd say is if you go back to our sovereignty conversation and the paperwork, in hindsight, if you ask me, would I do it over again? Absolutely not. I think in some <laughs> as far as the physical part of it, it was a waste of my time. On another part, what it allowed me to do is come to an understanding that yes, we are all, we have all been deceived and enslaved. And then when you realize you have a choice, now you can start wrapping your mind around greater truths of who we are as individuals and our true creative potential and what we're all really supposed to be here doing, not just as a matter of choice, but as a matter of responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's cool to, to, to talk to you, Bear, because it's uh yeah, I always appreciate the conversations with elders who have who have gone through that process, and it's 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 nice to hear you say that because I, that's that's really where I'm at too. That that's why we actually formed our common law assembly. Um, we uh, we basically had a boilerplate um, from a man named Kevin Annett, who I'd done uh, some podcasts with on Liberty on the Land. He's the guy who kind of blew the whistle on the satanic ritual abuse that was happening in the residential schools here in, in Canada, uh, still happening, and. Um, and uh, he had done some amazing things, par par partly uh, with a group of people that made Pope Ratzinger resign under allegations of, of child sex trafficking. And they did this through a common law assembly and forming common law courts. Wow. And uh, it's powerful. It's very powerful. And uh, the people in, in our group are mostly veterans and uh, have been through the process and been through the ringer a little bit. We actually just watched one of our guys go to prison last Friday, which was a little bit sad. Uh, he'll be out soon, though. It wasn't it won't, not not too long, but um, yeah, it's it, going through the process and all that stuff. I mean, I, I started it. You know, I went really deep down a year ago, and now I'm just focused on this. You know, I actually kind of realized something through my conversations with Owen Benjamin. Him and I become pretty good friends, and we we just text each other and stuff, and um, he says, you know, I pay Caesar with Caesars. And I think there's a lot of, he might, I don't know where he got that statement from. It might go back to something, maybe even the Bible, but, um, there's a lot of interesting truth and deep truth wrapped up in that is that, you know, we're in this system, which, which I refer to as the Holy See, because that's the corporation that is the Vatican. That is, in my opinion, uh, the, the top institutions of the world, at least one of the ones that are visible. And um, we're all swimming in this holy sea. We're drowning in it, in fact. We're lost at sea, you know. We're, we're swishing around trying to figure out where the hell we are. But this whole thing is shifting. There's a new tide that's come in. And, and it's beyond what a lot of us can understand and comprehend in our human minds. And, and I think we just have to kind of, instead of trying to swim to a new island or something like that, we got to come together and we got to hold ourselves up in our life rafts and kind of piece together little 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 communities and I, I i like to metaphorically refer to it as we need to be like weeds in the concrete 
because it's like you know you sometimes you see little cracks in the sidewalk and then dust blows in that turns into soil a seed gets in there it germinates it makes its way through taproot comes down starts to break the concrete and then when, when when those clusters come together it really starts to break the concrete and it's amazing how fast it can happen and i think that's metaphorically kind of where we're at with our common law assembly is that we're just we're in this thing and it's dying and so there's cracks coming through cracks are there's a lot of cracks coming down the concrete's dilapidated and a little bit old and there's a lot of opportunities for dust and seeds to get in there and we just need to break through it so it's not about just going to a new place and and you know forming on a uh, forming a new colony or a new country we're here there's nowhere else to go at least in the in the physical realm uh but but we uh we need to just come together and and, and make things happen as if this whole thing is going to disappear because i think it is i i my prediction is that and i could be wrong and i and i'd be i'm open to other arguments that might offer insights that i might be missing but but I, I think that this old system is just dying on its, it's a cancer to itself and it's unsustainable. And because there's this spiritual harvest and this shift happening, that's also accelerating this, this dying of this old system. And all these old geezers are going to retreat to their bunkers in Colorado or wherever their, their castles and bunkers in Israel or wherever they go. And, and they're going to just kind of wait it out a little bit and see what we do. And uh, one of the things that I think we need to be very conscious of is as we move into this new world, or maybe it's an old world, I don't know, it's something, and we need to be aware that when the dust settles, these infiltrators will come back. And so I, I think we're going to have people like us who are, who, are, who are into these higher frequencies and also have technical skills that can help people right now on the land and, 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 and produce value and, and resources and, and, and feed people and all that, we're going to be very valuable. We already are. And we're going to form our little fiefdoms, our little colonies and all this stuff. And we're going to, we're going to make these things happen over the next 10 years. And, you know, in, in 10 years from now, there could be a lot of the dust settled. It could be like a totally different world that's fractionated. It's very decentralized. There's no like U S border to Canada anymore. It's just kind of a colony here, colony there. And in, once the dust settles, we're going to see these infiltrators come out and they're going to try to get into our communities, just like the sheriff of Nottingham from uh, Robin Hood, who kind of comes around and is collecting taxes, taxes and reminding us that we, we still are obligated to pay and all this stuff. But probably during this time, we'll already have our own different types of currencies set up. We'll have our own farming and energy systems, our own grids and all this, but they're going to come back and try to reestablish themselves as the, the the powers that be or the authorities in this and i think that's the that i think that's when the true test will be is can we at during all this transition can we get rid of all the conveniences because that's what, like when we're telling people to get out of the city we're telling them that you're going to have to live an inconvenient life for a little while but it's going to be really inconvenient when everybody else loses all the same stuff at the same time. That's when it's going to really suck because you don't want to be in that rush hour line trying to get out of the city when everybody else is getting out. You want to do it now. And so can we over the next 10 years accept that we're going to ignore all of these conveniences in exchange for a new form of liberty, one that we've actually never as a collective never really experienced? Are we ready for that? And can we weather the storm for the next little while when we go through massive societal, cultural, economic, uh, environmental shifts? Are we going to be ready to get through that and then see the new day at the end of the tunnel 
when people are coming after us and they want to take over our little fiefdoms. Yeah. And um, I think what's happening today is really an opportunity for each of us to see what is really essential and what's not essential. Uh, as an example, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went into the local health food store. It's a uh, ways away into town. We make the journey there every so often. And, you know, we provide for most of our food here. On the other hand, there's little conveniences I like at the local health food store. And so we were turned away because uh, you have to wear a mask now. We know everybody down there personally. They're saying, hey, sorry, Dr. Bear, you know, uh, but you can't come in. And I go, okay, no problem. So I just said, well, nothing personal, but I'm never going to shop here again ever. I don't care if you change your policy tomorrow. I'm not coming back. And, and that's cool. No bad. Love you guys. And when I went home, it's like very empowering because my wife and myself, we said, okay, what do we get from the health food store? And it's like this, this, well, we don't have to have that. We can get this somewhere else. We can start growing that. And so little by little, we're just paring away, testing ourselves to see how much of that out there we really need, how much is essential. And uh, I realize now I don't need to go to that store anymore. And that's just a, a small example of many so-called things we think are essential in our life uh, that really aren't. And mm -hmm. we can provide for ourselves. And again, it goes back to prior times where people didn't think that they needed, you know, all their little 2D pops and trip, you yep. know, treats that they get from the store and, yep. and uh, didn't have to eat all the time. So this can be a very empowering time. And it can. And I, I think, I, sorry, Michael, I'll just say one thing oh, real quick, um, is uh, it's better to get used to those inconveniences now <laughs> because... In, 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 in a relatively short period of time, it's going to be a lot more uncomfortable. And so might as well start making action now. Yeah. And I was just going to say on the, on the flip side too, what we talk about is uh, on the medicine, you know, medicine and health sovereignty. Um, we've also had this idea that whenever something's wrong, we got to go to the medical center or, or to, you know, the, the hospital, but really, that's something that we really stress is that um, getting empowered to know your body better and how your actual, um, you know, how you, why you don't get, why you do and shouldn't get sick and all that is so important because that's a huge part of the sovereignty and something that I think it's, it's tough because as you said, there's a lots of different levels of sovereignty, right? And you could literally spend your rest of your life just on the common law, natural law, yeah, equity law totally. stuff. So there's a fine balance. And I think, there's a chatter here on the in the chat here it's like you know i wish i could just hire somebody uh i think it was steiner to god said i wish i could just hire somebody to to, to do all this common law stuff for me and help me with the land patent i'm like well it doesn't and he understands this it doesn't really work that way you got to do the work yourself you do but, yeah but, but who has time for that right and as bear is saying maybe that that we're over we're past that so i think we as a community can help each other out and kind of find that fine balance of like, you know, finding your, your tribe and your community to help with, with each other, but then understanding just enough on these different levels of health sovereignty, food sovereignty, um, also money sovereignty, of course, and all that so that we can kind of all feel more empowered, but also not overwhelmed because I think this can get really overwhelming to folks, especially those who are just kind of getting into this stuff and be like, wow. So I got to now like get the commercial codes and I got to learn how to do herbalism and I got to no. you know, it's like <laughs> herbalism would be more useful. I, I will, I will say, you know, the thing is 
with this with the sovereignty stuff one thing people have to realize and i have to say this because people always email me and they want to pay me for remedy it's extremely risky selling remedy i know guys and girls that have paid a massive price like massive lawsuits completely bankrupted time in jail for selling remedy you have to be so careful and so I don't sell remedy to people. I mean, I talk about the stuff and then people reach out and they're like, Hey, yeah. Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? It's like, no, man, you have to figure it out yourself. And that that's part of the process. And, and you know what? That's kind of what our common law assembly is all about is like basically said, okay, what's, what's our ideal, what's an ideal world look like for us. And for me, uh, a principal idea of it is a world where everybody has skin in the game. Everybody has accepted responsibility and that they are an equal player in this. And if you're, if you're not willing to be an equal player and you want to just live in a society where everything's convenient and, 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 and hand delivered to you, um, then you're not gonna, you're not going to do well. in in this kind of new, type of situation I, I i always have want to say new world but i hate the association with new world order so i i try to avoid saying that um but but to me that the new system is is gonna is gotta be where everybody has a stake everybody has skin in the game and because the minute we start taking these conveniences and that's how the owen benjamin calls them the grabblers i like i like that term um that's how the grabblers get us, right? Is they get us on our vices, they get us on these conveniences and they always um, win us over that way because we just want to be lazy and, and do nothing, right? And so if we, if we fall into those temptations, then we're going to end up in the same place. Uh, they're, they're all offerings. That's all it is, right? They're, they're, yep. they're offering us these things. And it's, it's, it literally goes back to the Garden of Eden. It goes back to what the Bible says. It's like the temptations. And if we go with those temptations, we really are, in the end, we still, it's a very empowering idea. It's like we are the ones in power. Yep. And, um, you know, so it's, uh, you know, that's what Alphabetic's all about is the solutions and, and helping people understand that and understanding that's why we've gone in depth about germ theory and understanding that you don't need the vaccines, you don't need the allopathic interventions. Um, in the same way that Bear mentioned, you don't need to be eating, you know, the old food pyramid is BS. You don't need to have that caloric intake to survive and all that. Um, you don't need to have stacks of gold and silver per se. Um, actually, Curtis, you did a, a really cool little message about um, surviving you know, the impending collapse about, you know, would you need stacks of gold and silver and all that? No, you need, you know, understanding your skill sets and understanding what you can provide to community. Um, really uh, more empowering probably to learn how to, to, to build soil and to, um, to grow food or to know how to, to heal others or, um, you know, cook, uh, you know, do things like that versus, um, uh, being the guy that's, uh, prepped out to the core with every kind of, you know, possible shekel that you can get, you know? Um, so, you know, it's, uh, but also one thing we stress is also you don't get overly burdened with this. Like, you know, in terms of having to prep for every possible thing and like have fun with it. I think that's important. Like you gotta have fun. You have to enjoy it. Yeah. Life's short still, no matter what. And it's like, don't let this get, because then they win too. 
right? The, the grabblers win too if um, now you're completely obsessed with, with prepping or completely obsessed with um, how you're going to get Bitcoin or how you're going to get gold or how, you know, it's, um, you feel empowered, you know, start taking responsibility for your sovereignty, but also, you know, you got to have balance in your life. You do. And, 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 you ha- and getting connected and, and getting connected with farming and growing your own food. You know, you can talk about all the things that are going on in the world, but as soon as you get outside and just start tending your garden, you forget about it all. You know, you're, you're in the frequency of the earth. You're, um, you're surrounded by nature. You're getting imbued by all those patterns that refresh our memory of, uh, you know, the way things are supposed to be. Yep. And all of these processes, uh, you know, sovereignty processes, uh, you know, growing your own food, everything, what it's ultimately doing is bringing to us to that place of ultimate sovereignty where we're aware of every thought and feeling that ripples through every cell of our body. And you go back in time where, you know, people would go into Shaolin monasteries and things, and then they'd be able to do these uh, superhuman things after years. All they did was debug themselves so that they didn't have all these overlaid thought patterns that were interfering with what we would just naturally do on our own. And the fact is, is our entire reality as individuals are a composite of electrical forces that we have put into motion ourselves. So we're the only ones that can control them in the first place. And I believe that's where humanity's going. And of course, uh, we don't have to be, uh, you know, complete masters. But if you're just at least on the road, what we've learned, you know, on that path, there are larger forces that you're now in that slipstream and you have uh you know really the power of the universe at your back and protecting you at the same time so you develop a trust behind that and you just stop sweating all the small stuff stuff all the time yeah because because the 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 uh, the cabal want us to constantly be in fear right that's that's we all know that intuitively too anybody who's been on a path to truth knows that on a fundamental principle and spiritual level that they control us through fear and they do that in all kinds of ways. Right. And they, they control a lot of the truther community through that way too. Right. I mean, I experienced that where um, a number of years ago before, well, before all this stuff became more mainstream with QAnon and all that, I, I, I discovered the, the child sex trafficking and all that shit years ago. And man, it was a dark time um, I, I, I went way deep into like the bloodlines of the Illuminati and all that stuff and went really, really, really balls deep with all this stuff and, and got, and I, and I caught myself because at this, at that point in my life, I was so aware of cognitive biases and, and all this. And I caught myself be succumbing to the fear porn and how they basically will even use the truth of their own system to traumatize you into submission. And I found myself being so depressed and sickened by all this sick shit that they do, which is all true. As far as I can tell, it's all true. Um, But they can use that to control you because at the end of the day, if you get so traumatized by uh, pursuing the truth that you just throw your hands up and go, oh, what's the point? We're all fucked. So, so forget all of it, you know, and and that's what I see so many truthers doing is they get so deep into it 
that they just think everything is, there's no hope for anything. And I see it in my comments on my YouTube channel where people are like, oh, well, what are they going to do? What are you going to do when the hordes come for you, Curtis? It's like, dude, you're just making excuses for yourself. You're just making excuses for yourself. You're sitting here criticizing me for trying, but you're just, you're projecting everything as like a mirror. And you're just projecting your fear that's incapacitated you from doing something. And that's what, at the end of the day, I see. And, and, and the truther community is so full of that. And it, 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 it bums me out because I want people to be empowered. I don't want people to just get bummed out about all these big shifts. I want you to just use the truth to help navigate you up to a path to empowerment, enlightenment, and, and, and sustainability. And, and, and regeneration, right? And, and a path to um, transcendence. That's, that's, that, to me, that's what the truth should be. It should be a vehicle to help you navigate these territorial waters to get to something that's, that's greater. Yeah, more, uh, more Steiner, less Alex Jones. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I have to admit, you know, Alex Jones, you know, was part of my, you know, 10, 15 years ago, not 15 years ago, probably listening to some of his stuff did get me on a path. You know, when he, when he released that first video of Bohemian Grove was like, holy shit, you know, but Alex Jones, I don't know what's up with that guy. Like, uh, do, do you guys, are you familiar with um, uh, Bishop Larry Gators, global, uh, global spiritual revolution radio? Uh, I don't think I am. He, he's a, he's a, not. He's a pretty switched on dude. He's, he's a bishop out of New York and uh, a really great radio show. Really goes down the rabbit hole, deeper than a lot of people. Um, but Alex is, Jones... Uh, has, he been on, uh, has he been on Jason Goodman's show uh, lately uh, yes, a lot? Yes. Oh, he, yes. Okay, I, I do know I, him. I Jason, black, he's a black, yeah. black bishop. Yes, he's awesome. Yeah, 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 I yeah. love listening to him. Dude, Larry the... Gators is high level. Very yeah. high level. Yeah. But, but I, I've actually listened to him. Here's the thing that I realized about he had Alex Jones had Larry Gators on the show and Larry Gators is full of like little wormholes that can take you in all directions, but he's really knowledgeable. And he brought up on Infowars and I, I don't listen to Alex Jones anymore, but I sometimes just check in on him to see what he's saying. Actually, uh, it was because Larry shared the, his episode that he was on Alex Jones with on his channel. That's how I listened to it. Cause I don't actively listen to Alex Jones anymore. I haven't for years, but but Jones was talking to Larry about all this stuff and Larry Gators went right to the organic act 1871 ah. and Jones completely diverted him. And in a very sneaky way, he didn't do it by like shutting him up or stopping his mic or anything like that. He just did it by really emphasizing other things that he wanted him to talk about. And so he kind of in a positive way, and that's a trick, you know, that's like a, that's a trick right out of how to, how to win friends and influence people. Um, yeah, Jones, use that. Jones, like I'm doing right now, he always interrupts. If you notice on the interviews, he always oh, yeah. interrupts people and it's, yeah, it's and, obnoxious, yeah. but he did this to Larry Gators and I was like, Hmm, what's, what happened to Alex? You know, cause that, cause to me, that's some real gravy that if more Americans understood and that there is no constitution and all this thing, all this stuff that all these Patriots think is like all this great system that we have and it's all bullshit if more preppers and truthers found that out, we would have a revolution a lot quicker, in my opinion. Yeah, at least and, in the U.S. Uh, yeah. Gary, so he was the one talking about the Civil War and how uh, the um, oh god, the, the Underground Railroad was really just a way to bring uh, slaves up to the North. 
Yep. And um, he yep. really calls out all the truth about the history of uh, the United States with the Civil War and how it was just the corporatization of everything and how it was the North really trying to corporatize the South. I mean, it's just, yep. there's so much. One thing that I always say is like, and, we just don't even know our history at all. I know. I you know? know, and he really gets into the whole history of uh, what you would—I don't know what else to call it—but like the Black Illuminati. What's, oh man, uh, what's I love the, it. What does he call that? Do you, do you recall the, the term? The system, I've got it on the tip of my tongue. Something rose or um, no? It's uh, the Boulay Secret Society. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah man, supposedly that guy's next Kobe level. Bryant was involved with. And oh that yeah. Goes down oh, all yeah. that stuff. All, and, the, all um, those, all those big players. Well, the. The greatest fear of the controllers is that all of us, all of humanity is going to get together and say, wait a minute, we aren't the enemy. Uh, we've all been played against each other. And, uh, you know, then it's end game. You yeah. know, then we're, it's we're over. the ones we've been waiting for. Yeah. And of course, now we're wearing masks, which means we're not only divided by racial lines, but we're, uh, <laughs> you yeah. can't even tell who you're talking to. I know, and, I know. Every, and, that, yeah. and that's by design, right? And yeah. that, that's the one thing that's really been pissing me off recently because I've been, I, I, I've, there was only like a two week period when this thing started to really roll out. It was January 29th. I was trying to fly to Phoenix and I got turned away. I was held up at the TSA for fucking nine hours. And then they flew me back home. I couldn't even get into the US. That was January 29th. I saw this thing starting to roll out. Then I, there was like a two week period where I wasn't sure. I was like, is this actually real or what's going on? But right after that, I've called this whole thing out as BS. And the thing that's really pissing me off now, I try to not let it get me angry, is the masks. It's like the numbers are down. It's so obvious. In Canada here, you can go right to the Statistics Canada website and get all the data right there. And it's no different than a flu every other year. It's all there. They just... When all these pundits, you guys have uh, Dr. Burks or Fauci, we've got uh, in BC here, we've got Dr. Dr. Bonnie Henry. These people come out on the news every single day and they say, oh, this many people died of COVID, whatever. It's like, if they've been doing that for the last 50 years with all the flu deaths, we'd be in the same situation. And, and it's, it's starting to really drive me nuts because the masks, there's more masks out now, despite the numbers being down and being in the middle of summer when it's dry. Like nobody's catching a flu or cold in the summer here, very rarely. Um, people, more people are wearing masks. The thing that really annoys me as a parent, because I have two small children, is that you know I've done a lot of research on uh, child developmental psychology, and it's been a real fascination of my wife and I's because uh, we're really into unschooling and, and and then that whole path is that a child's mind for the first seven years is an absolute sponge. They will base their their ch children are completely programmable in that time, and that Hitler knew that, Stalin knew that, Mao Zedong knew that. That's why they wanted to get your kids early. But this is what's happening right now is that these masks. So if your child is going out and seeing people with masks everywhere, think about what they're not learning about human psychology and communication. You're not seeing this part of the face move. That child is not going to be developing their brain the same way as a kid would just years ago. And that's why for, for myself and my wife, it's so important for us to actually get out of this train wreck because I don't want my children seeing people wearing masks. We, I, we've we've done, a, done a fairly good job of, uh, of keeping them from it. But yesterday we went out to go get some takeout. We have some family visiting right now 
and they're from Ontario and it's, it's a, it's totalitarian in Ontario right now. It's just like Australia and you have to ma wear masks and all this. And, uh, my mother's, uh, my, my step, my, what is it? My, my, uh, mother-in-law's husband was wearing a mask when he went to the restaurant the other day. And my daughter's like, why is he wearing a mask? <laughs> and it, that was the first time that she'd actually asked me up until this point. And uh, we're just realizing like, yeah, we need to, <laughs> we want to get out of here so that we can wait this thing out. Cause I don't, I don't know how long the mask thing will be gone, going on for. It might be years, but I don't want my kids missing out on that part of their development. Well, it's the new war on the invisible. So we had the war on drugs, the war on terror. Now we have the war on microbes. And they use these things to create the divide and conquer and, and you know, the mechanisms for control. So unfortunately, now we're at the war against microbes. So if you extrapolate that out, it's just more exactly. ridiculous than anything. What are you going to be white? Microbes are good. Like, so anyway, it's like, yeah, the same thing here in our little town. Thank God people don't take it seriously at all. And we still have our Sunday get togethers, our hoot nannies and like everything. But, but yeah, uh, the thing with children, you're spot on. Like it's a psychological um, kind of uh you know, war really going on. And it's one thing I was saying is it's a, with Sayer G last week, it's a divide and conquer tactic where those who aren't wearing masks are kind of now spotted as the people that are more awake to the idea of what the psychological kind of operation is going on. And now it's easy to pick them out more. That's what's kind of cool. Where, yeah. So you see that there's yeah. memes about it, right? You see the guy without the mask. You're like, yeah, man. But, but the point is too, it also reconfirms this, um, this kind of, uh, communal brainwashing that's going on like with our partners down in LA that you ever he was Bryden Bryden was saying yesterday like you can't even go outside and run or bike everyone has masks on biking and running and doing sports in, in Los Angeles in Los Angeles where it's hot and dry like and ter terrible air quality to begin with yeah exactly that, that's a whole other conversation but yeah it, it's just it defies all logic and that's that's where you know the programming has been really successful. Like I hate to say it, but it has been, um, I, you know, no, there, yeah, go ahead, bar. No, sorry. You go ahead. Okay. I mean, I was just going to say like, you know, I've been on this path for a long time and you know, I was well awake way before this COVID stuff started. And like when all this stuff started, I would honestly thought if we would have had this conversation eight months ago, and we were kind of jamming on the same wavelength, I would have been like, man, the mainstream media has lost its grip. Like people aren't buying this shit, but yeah, not, <laughs> I was wrong. I was wrong. The mainstream media still has its grip and it's been amazing how successfully they've pulled off this hoodwink and people have bought they're, into it. They're brilliant. Uh, no doubt about it. And, you know, we're talking about the divide and conquer technique, you know, by dividing groups of people, but the ultimate is they've divided us all from the natural order. And yep. the war against microbes is, is, you know, great. I mean, we're afraid of everything there is to do with nature. We're afraid of microbes. We're afraid of the sun. We're afraid of everything. We're afraid of natural foods. You know, there's always a study that says, oh, this herb has this in it and it could yeah. be detrimental. So it's, it's just the most amazing psyop. And I think you can appreciate as, um, you know, some people now are waking up to the fact that the data is all skewed and the so-called virus really isn't causing that many deaths. But now imagine uh, in my profession as a bioterrain specialist, 
where we know another whole side of microbes with the real role is. And just like on our show, we've had myself, uh, people like Andrew Kaufman, MD, that all have a, a different story about, you know, what viruses really are, what they aren't, and what their real function is, is, which is very, not just benign, but actually very supportive to health and longevity. And I've spent, you know, over 40 years in my profession being gaslighted uh, you know, and trying to convince people that, well, you know, that's not the cause of disease. And there's one particular system of medicine that draws in a very evidence-based way the correlation between our own uh, state of consciousness and how that translates holographically into the body. So try going there with most people, uh, you know, when they're still in the germ paradigm. It's literally yes. trying to extract people out of the Stone Age. It is. And it's, it's, it's the propaganda campaign has been running a long time. I, I mean, I even started to notice it when I was in my earlier stages of my farming career and getting out in the world and getting invited to conferences in the United States and stuff like that. And being a keynote speaker and, and, and going to these like environmentalist conferences, the whole, like climate change and all this stuff. I started to become aware of it that whole like global warming thing it was you know, global warming then it was climate change now it's climate catastrophe and all that and you know a lot of it is true in some ways though just like the inversions of the elite it's often the opposite of the, the opposite is true so they tell us it's global warming it's actually global cooling um but i started to see their techniques in the environmentalist movement and you know you go down that rabbit hole you discover the, the club of rome with with david rockefeller and and maurice strong a bunch of cronies that basically drafted up this whole scam to unite the world but they started to do it in the media 20 years ago around 20 years ago might even be a bit more now when they started this whole narrative of trust the science and trust the scientists and trust the experts right and you've seen them, they've, they, they greased the wheels with all that, that propaganda and those mantras for the last 20 years. And then when, the, when those whole like COVIDs thing started happening, they hammered it. They hammered it so hard and it worked incredibly because everybody's been propagandized with all these like so-called academics who are just funded by all these globalist organizations and, and, and government money basically. Um, that now when, when, when all the skepticism started rolling out and they, they even rehearsed for it with, with event 201, as I'm sure you guys are familiar, they ran through the script and then they just decided, okay, well, we just need to double down on this whole thing of don't believe anything that doesn't come from a bona fide expert that we've approved. Right. And so they've, they've really done a good job of compartmentalizing us who they would label as conspiracy theorists uh, into this little corner but they, I don't think what they anticipated is that corner's massive. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, all, and all of us are in this life raft and it's a massive life raft. Like I, I think the amount of people that are awakened throughout this whole thing, I don't know if they saw that coming. Maybe they did. I mean, I did read the lockstep document that the uh, Rockefeller Foundation published and they did anticipate there being massive civil unrest from this and that people wouldn't buy into the lockdowns and they did and there would be pushback but i mean i think we have to be careful and assuming that our enemy is stupid they're not they're really really smart and they've really thought through a lot of these things but what i'm trying to get my head around is do is it is the the pushback that they're getting like we just saw in berlin you know massive looked like a million people out there 
is that going to the script that they want or is there an element of you know something that they didn't predict there and it's kind yeah. of that's the biggest that's the biggest question i feel like they're 100 years ahead with especially with their think tanks their ai systems they're running all the they're running all the different possibilities but the one thing that they can't stop is nature this yeah. is you know this is what we've been seeing is man's ego trying to destroy and, and conquer nature and no matter how many models and stuff that they're running um i feel like they can't stop spirit they can't stop light and so as long as there are enough of us that are embracing the light, um, I think in the end, um, no matter how much chaos theory and everything that they're doing, um, they're going to they're gonna run up against it. And the Berlin thing is a great example of how crazy the, the dichotomy has gotten. So I know some people that were there and they swear there was at least 800,000 to a million people there. And then the official media was saying 17,000. So how do you go from 17,000 to a million? Like that is such a crazy dichotomy of truth. And we're living yeah. in kind of the anti-truth world now, right? Where because of the Absolutely. internet and everything. So that's a great like microcosm of the macro. And so anyway, we're, we're starting to run up on time now, but you did make an, a, a brilliant uh, a notion there is that the idea is that there is a, a massive amount of people waking up right now and they're being forced to because their careers, their, their businesses are being destroyed. And while they are acknowledging this and knowing that agenda 21 is they're, they're using this to destroy people's lives so they can focus them into these, these smart cities and, 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 and get the, um, all the automation systems set up, the AI system set up, the global currency set up, all that, that's all anti-nature. Yeah. And it's monoculture, and right? It is all monoculture. And that all fails in the end. It all fails. So it's a Ponzi scheme. They got to keep pushing forward because they know it's going to fail if they don't keep the, the, the wheel going towards the next system of scam, right? Yep. So, um, you know, the question is, in, and, I don't know, man. It's just, we could talk about this forever, trying to project it and see where it's going to go. But the point in the, in the end, I guess, is get spiritual, get, get into, you know, your own people that kind of see where you want to go and um, just get active in nature. I feel like nature will always help us and point us the way, as Bear was saying, like just by going out and getting your hands in the, in the dirt mm -hmm. um, can go a long way. So. And where they really shot themselves in the foot is they lost their tether from the emotional plane. And when I say emotion, not human lower emotions, but, you know, on elevated emotions, uh, I know it's just feelings of compassion and love. And because they live so exclusively on the mental plane, you know, they're very shrewd on that level. Absolutely. But the thing that really allows um, you know, things to pop into the matrix, so to speak, as uh, that level of emotion, because that's what gives the electrical forces the velocity in order to manifest into our physical plane. So they have literally divorced themselves from that. They're living totally on the mental plane, and they actually require our energy because a lot of us are still connected there. Yes. They need our energy in order to create anything in the first place. So if we can just you know, wrap our minds around the fact that they are nothing without us in the first place, without That's the right. currency that we provide for them, then again, it's game over. Uh, but Curtis, this, I've enjoyed our conversation with you so immensely. And 
you know, it's people uh, doing what you're doing uh, in your age group that give people like me hope. <laughs> and that, uh, you know, I look back and some of the, the trials and tribulations that myself and my peers went through, you know, it makes it all worthwhile. And, and I just want to say thank you for being here today. Uh, thank you for all your efforts. And I really look forward to connecting with you again. Uh, anytime, you guys. This has been an incredible conversation. It's so cool to connect with kindred spirits. And I just want to say one other thing, just to, just to add to what you said at the end there, Bear, is that what we have to realize, and hopefully this can be some inspirational parting words for people, is what we, what we all need to realize is that as we're part of the creator, we have to understand and know that in our deepest of parts of our soul. And there's creators and there's connivers. The, wor the people that control the world as we've seen it in our life, they're all connivers. They're not creators. They've rejected their divinity. They've rejected th th that which makes us powerful because they've, they've used us to make them powerful. We are the creators. We are the godly ones. We are the divine. And as soon as more people start to realize that and embody that and then transpose that into their existence, this whole show ends very quickly because we are so powerful in our divinity. We just have to realize that and make things happen. And I'm not, you know, I give people real tools that they can do to manifest that in the gardens, on the farms, and on the land. And there's, and, and, and a lot, and, and a lot of you guys provide other perspectives. There's many other ways to do this, right? But we have to realize that as the creator, they don't have power over you. They need you to give them power. Yeah. And, and on well, that, on that notion too, and that's amazing. you you hit the nail right on the head. There's a, there's a character and I'll, and this is a really inspiring story that I just, uh, discovered this guy, Jack Schwartz. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Bear probably is. He was a survivor of uh, the Holocaust. He was actually a, a converted Catholic. He's Dutch. And while he was being abused and tortured because he was a double spy that was caught and put back into the hardcore concentration camp, he went deep, deep, deep inside of himself and got connected to God and found out it's all through love. Everything is love. And he, he, he stopped hating his torturers. And what happened is he was able to control his body to the point where he couldn't feel pain anymore. He could heal himself instantly. And he started traveling around after he went to America and became like a magician. But he would actually went to like, I think, Stanford University and a bunch of uh, universities. And he was able to put needles through his arms and heal himself instantly. And it was all because he tapped into that creative force of love. He said that's the universal and he called it the word. It's the word of God, which is love. Mm -hmm. And he was able to literally heal himself instantly. Um, and, um, and really, it's, that's how much power we really have. And uh, he was able to train people to do that and stuff. So look him up, Jack Schwartz. But a very inspiring story. He was kind of like pre-Wim Hof, able to use his own breath and ability. Uh, and like wow. I said, tapping into that to heal himself. And so we have that power. It's right here. And he could levitate and all this crazy stuff. So anyways. Um, Cool stuff, man. And um, it, it's just been a great talk. And uh, if, if anybody wants to follow you and, and, and get involved more with what you're doing, where's the, the best place for them to go, Curtis? Yeah, they can. Um, so the majority of my content now is up on my own membership site. I've, I've decentralized away from the monoliths um, uh, from the field.tv. I still post to YouTube. 
not much though. It's kind of a legacy channel for me now. It's, you know, there's almost a thousand videos up there. I'll, I'll keep posting there, but, but I'm prepared for that whole ship to sink at, at some point. So I've, you know, prepared for that. Um, uh, the urbanfarmer.co is my website around my book. Uh, if they want to find me on YouTube, they just search uh, urban farmer, Curtis stone, all my truth based content. I've moved to BitChute uh, just cause I didn't want to compromise my YouTube channel. Cause I didn't want the, the farming stuff to get deleted with, if they, if they deleted me for speaking the truth. So, uh, go to BitChute and just search me there. It's BitChute search engine actually sucks, <laughs> but if you dig around, you'll find me, uh, Liberty on the land is my podcast. Also Liberty on the land dot com was the website for that podcast and um yeah that's pretty much everything where i am wonderful hey thanks again curtis this has been an amazing talk and on the chat people are already like i gotta listen to this thing again i mean super empowering and that's what we're really all about if you guys enjoyed this talk go to alphavedic.com to find out more you can join our community at telegram t.me forward slash alphavedic it's a very busy community a lot of amazing chatter and a lot of a big time influencers in there people really changing the world doing amazing things so please join us it. and uh awesome curtis is in there like sayers in there kelly brogan um uh i mean a lot of our guests are in there so you can message them direct they're active in there um this is really what's so fun is that um you know we're coming together using their own tools against them so that's, you know, the, the whole paying Caesar with Caesar, that's the kind of the idea, right? It's like, I'm just going to use what they have, you know, against them so that I can focus on what I need to do to be empowered. So it's a, it's a cool tactic and something that we do, but so we're still on YouTube. We still use Patreon. I know uh, Patreon is, is, is a lot of problems with it but we're using it right now because it's there. And then as we build our own decentralized systems to have our own co-op, speaking of our co-op, you can go to patreon.com forward slash alphabetic, join the co-op there. Um, we do uh, a monthly Zoom, uh, monthly Zoom uh, a meeting for our executive members. Um, but um, you know, eventually our plan is to com be completely off that and be actually on a, a decentralized, a, a real decentralized blockchain based system. Uh, where we all are running our own internet on our own nodes. And so we're all working towards that, but we got to use their systems against them too while we can, you know, might as well. So um, yep. Telegram, Discord's great too. Uh, and then of course we're on BitChute, but I, I haven't really posted because we're kind of small still. So YouTube, we're kind of flying under the radar, but our plan is to eventually obviously get off YouTube and off what I call these gulags, the Twitters, the Facebooks, and really get on these decentralized platforms. Library's another good one. Um, and then, of course, our Cordal project, um, we're moving forward. We'll have decentralized web hosting through that. So everybody will have their own blogs and websites on completely off the ISPs and off that. So uh, that's really the future where we're going. Uh, everybody, thanks so much for joining us today. And get outside, go grow, you know, get your hands in the dirt, go on a hike, enjoy nature. Uh, she'll point you in the right direction always. Cheers. <laughs>